You are now listening to the smooth sounds of Love Atiyah. Ciao, beautiful souls. My name's Atiyah, and I am your future bestie in your head. I am a sex-positive animal activist. I grew up in Queens, New York, and was homeschooled slash unschooled for about 12 years. I was a virgin until I was 24 and attempted to have a hoe phase for two years, which eventually led me to being accidentally slash intentionally celibate. And here we are today. My past left me with a lot of wild stories, a lot of lessons, and a hell of a lot of trauma. Thank God for my wicked sense of humor because God only knows I would have perished by now. With that being said, this is your gentle reminder that the Love Atiyah experience was created as a safe space for me to reflect and share the lessons that I've learned from past traumas. Shit gets real on this podcast in topics such as domestic violence, sexual assault, substance abuse, depression, anxiety, and suicide may be referenced. If you are working through feeling triggered by certain topics, this may not be the show for you right now, and that's okay. Healing takes time and isn't linear. I'll be here when you're ready. Now, without further ado, the Love Atia experience is an experience. So get ready for laughs, crazy story times, and life-changing pleasure tips here on the Love Atia experience podcast. Happy Pride! Oh my god, I'm so excited. It's a great day to be gay, ain't it? What are y'all doing for Pride? Has anybody gone to a parade? I Okay, so here's the thing. In Atlanta, it was always very confusing because we had two Prides. So it was like Pride Pride, and then we had a random Pride Parade at the end of the year. Y'all remember when the car caught on fire? Does anybody remember that from Atlanta? I have video, I should post about it, but... Yes, I'm so excited. I have been having so many downloads, so many epiphanies. And I know, I know, I know, I know I was supposed to post my pure episode about my web series and then post about why I didn't have pure two and all the drama that happened with pure one. And I am still going to do that. I literally have two episodes saved in my drafts. I even have the origin of pure saved in my drafts. But there are just some things that I feel like I really need to address before I even post those because a lot has happened. I've had, like I said, a lot of epiphanies and I feel like this episode can be really influential. I feel like I have really been flexing my throat chakra and not living in a place of fear and it's been helping me feel so much healthier y'all your girl gained 18 pounds since moving out of the fucking country so that's how i know that i am in a healthier space because i was 102 pounds for the longest time i remember when i moved to atlanta and i was 115 pounds and everybody was saying i look so fucking emaciated whenever i visit new york they'd be like are you okay are you sick are you around like bitch i'm depressed so i just feel like i'm in a healthier space now i've really been eating plantains avocados peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I've, I've been really doing my best to just eat when i'm hungry and eating snacks and so i'd love to to try to help people who are trying to gain weight but honestly i think that Working on my mental health has been the thing that has really helped me out. That's like the biggest tip I can give. Get a therapist. <laughs> uh, because I feel like, yeah, I mean, and I've had a therapist. I guess maybe I should say like doing doing the work actively in a healthier space. Because I was still in an environment, aka Atlanta, aka places where I endured a lot of trauma. Where I just wasn't able to heal the way that I wanted to heal. Because I was constantly being inflicted by trauma. And I feel like Mexico was the first place that I've been. To where, yes, it's been an adjustment. And yes, I've had to grow through a lot of the depression that I felt even 
even in the States, I've had to do a detox. I just feel as though this has felt like a safer space and I've had better resources and I've just been more in my body. I mean, I really disassociated for the last like seven years in the States. So I guess if you want to gain weight, move out the country. I also don't want to make it seem like I wasn't doing the work though, because I'm so extremely proud of myself and so grateful for my therapist. Even the other day, she um, recounted like so many things that we were working on together. And even just the fact that she remembered these things about me and like about just my history with her just made my heart so happy because I just, I just felt so seen. So I did so much work and I'm so proud of myself, especially considering the circumstances that I was given in 2022, 2021, 2020, like I'm telling y'all, we all know that those were just jacked up years back to back. And then recovering from my relationship, which we are going to touch on in a second, it was just a lot. So I'm proud of myself for using the tools. But I think that like, like I said, I just outgrew Atlanta. And I, I want to just mention that because I feel like a lot of us outgrow our spaces, but sometimes we get so comfortable in our uncomfortability somewhere that we stay instead of taking a chance to go somewhere else. And sometimes we feel like, oh, we can't go somewhere else, but that's not true you can literally go anywhere you want and you'll make it happen it's like you make it happen living where you're living i mean a lot of people i know that listen to this podcast live in atlanta it's about to be like five thousand dollars for a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> same for um new york so yeah my point is we don't have to stay stuck we don't have to stay stagnant but we also shouldn't judge ourselves if we feel stuck and stagnant because mental health is real so yeah i just i'm very proud of myself for doing the work i'm so proud of everybody around me i feel like everyone around me now is doing the work and like that is a space that i want to be in with the people that are in my lives and that's so motivating so i just feel like there's just been a shift in my orbit and i'm thankful but i still stand by moving out of the country is best for your mental health but don't think that that's not going to be an adjustment too like this was an adjustment but at least it was a different kind of adjustment than the kind of adjustments that I needed to make when I was in Atlanta or New York. It was something new. So I was literally like learning a new part of me. And I think that that helped me just feel more courageous, more brave, et cetera, et cetera. And then this weight gain is just a, a cherry on top, truly. I also just want to give a quick shout out to Heaven High NYC because they have a specific kind of dessert created specifically for pride to where if you purchase it, then some of the proceeds of that dessert will go to an LGBTQ supportive cause. And I think that is so freaking amazing we love an ally so <laughs> yes be sure to support heaven high nyc and they have the best fucking herbal and when i say herbal i mean plant medicine <laughs> edibles and uh flower and shrooms and all this good stuff so be sure to check them out they are nyc based and they are amazingly delivered they ship so yeah i, I would not steer y'all wrong i have heard nothing but great reviews and have also given nothing but great reviews because they have been my primary and only source of plant medicine when I was in the States and I can't wait to go back so that I can get some more. So yeah, be sure to check them out and mention Levitia. You can get a little something special. I listened back to some of this playback and it's mad like spit. Like, I don't know, you can hear like, it sounds like I'm like beatboxing. So now you should see me like I'm holding up my, my like pop, what's that called? A pop socket? What's that called? When you like, it, the thing that catches your spit, but I'm holding it up like to my recording device so let's see if it sounds any different hold on i'm gonna test it out okay sounds good to me now let's get down to business this episode originally had so many different directions it was gonna go but i see a major shift happening and i want to know if you see it too have you peeped that women or people with vulvas around the world are revolting no we are revolting we're not staying quiet we're speaking up we're no longer living in fear and we're living in our most divine feminine energy ever whatever that may mean to someone who experiences that so in this episode a little synopsis we're going to talk about 
the ultimatum queer love and how that brought up a lot of things for a lot of people. I was straight up triggered by the reunion. I don't know about y'all. So if you have not seen the ultimatum queer love or if you have not seen the reunion and you don't want any spoilers, I guess you can skip to kind of the middle of the episode because that is where I'll be talking about my relationship. But I'm honestly going to be tying the two in together. So just come back to this episode if you haven't seen the ultimatum queer love and you want to see it. But I do just want to give a trigger warning because in the essence of women revolting, um, a lot of women are revolting against their abusers. And I feel as though I've really lived in a space where I've protected my abuser for a really long time. And so this is not anything to expose anybody. This is just me finally speaking a bit of my truth. And it's a lot of truth to unfold. So this is just a trigger warning for anyone who may have been in a domestically violent situation if you feel as though you're triggered by conversations like this, then please protect your space. If you um, are considering or questioning if you are in uh, an abusive relationship and you just are not sure ways to know how or you feel like you may just be kind of putting certain things to the back of your mind, then I recommend that you listen to this episode because it can be really helpful and really insightful for you. But again, the goal is really just to share some of the things that I've learned from my relationship and certain things that the Queer Love Ultimatum um, has taught me in regards to just certain reflections on friendships, on relationships, on ways to handle certain things, on what my breaking point was in my relationship, and also even touching on how things can start off so small. Like abuse is so insidious. So it can start off so small. It can start off with a push or a shove or restraint, and then it can end in something just very very bad so yeah I just want to open up a bit and share some of that and then if we have time I'd like to end it on a lighter note um and more so just share how then after my relationship ended I started doing these dates and these dates were delusional af and um how I was trying to distract myself with that but it wasn't really working and then at the very end of this episode we're going to have a new segment where I give some advice and I've been wanting to do this for a while I'm thankful to everybody who has submitted advice and if you I mean who has submitted a question and if you would like to submit a question you can submit it to the experience at gmail.com I'll put it in my description as well but all right so let's just dive in before we start off talking about the ultimate and queer love i actually just want to spread some light to a couple on tiktok that recently it came out that one of the girls in the relationship was being um abused and she left the relationship she's been glowing ever since and if you're on tiktok you know who they are i refuse to say the name of these people because it's just i just refuse to glamorize them but i do just want to give a major shout out to the young lady who left the relationship i also just want to bring attention to the people who are judging the girl that is still in the relationship um and if you don't know what i'm talking about there's this guy he's 29 he claims he's 29 and he's in a relationship with the girl who is 20 and then he was in a relationship with a girl who was 29 and they were in a quote unquote polyamorous relationship. When in reality, they were in, a, I think, a polygynous relationship. I think that's the one where the man has multiple women partners. And the 29 year old was actually bisexual, the, the woman. But um, she recently escaped the relationship and she posted a YouTube video. If it wasn't yesterday, it was the day before yesterday, um, expressing the abuse that went on in her relationship and we all knew that it was going on and I, I used to see the comments all the time telling them to get out you know like and obviously when you're in an abusive relationship or if you have been in one you know that it's just not easy to just get out it's not it's not that easy there's a lot of psychological warfare that goes on um and it's very insidious and so now though the 20 year old is still in the relationship and 
People are talking about her skin. They're judging her makeup. They're judging her hair. They're judging her her looks and her body. They're saying she's pregnant. They're just completely breaking this girl down. And as much as people say, get out of the relationship, the people that are breaking her down are no better than her abusive partner. And it's crazy because now sometimes on, on their lives, you can see him kind of trying to big her up. Like she said something about not looking pretty or something. And he said, no, baby, you know, don't think that you're beautiful. Oh my God, this dog is going ham. Of course, as soon as I stopped the recording, he stopped barking. Okay. So, but yeah, I just want to just tell, <laughs> whatever. I just want to tell people to please remember this girl is 20 years old. And even if she was 40 years old, she doesn't deserve the abuse that she, <laughs> I'm sorry, this dog. I'm not laughing at the seriousness of the situation, but I'm literally losing my mind because this dog will not stop. And then whenever I stop recording, he stops and it just, it feels like a mind fuck. Okay. So you are no better if you are verbally abusing this woman in the comments, telling her that she looks a type of way. First of all, she's beautiful. So I don't really know what y'all are talking about. I also wanted to make sure I added to that last comment I made in regards to people degrading her in the comments or her, her saying statements about herself that are not like all that confidence boosting. And then her partner saying like, oh baby, you're beautiful. That is such a narcissistic tactic. Like when other people are bringing, bringing that person down, then, then the partner, the narcissistic partner steps in and is like, oh, let me, let me big you up. And it's not to big you up so that you feel better. It's to big you up so that I look like, oh, look at, look at me, the narcissist, bigging, bigging up my partner. I'm such a good person. I hope people think that I'm such a good person for complimenting her. Just like back in the day, behind the scenes, I would not receive these compliments that my boyfriend would give to, 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 uh, that my boyfriend would say to other people about me. So for instance, we'd be at my job and then I'd walk in the room and they'd say, oh yeah, he was just saying, um, how fat your ass is when you're not wearing jeans or oh how beautiful you are like with your natural hair but that's not what you were saying when i had my natural hair out and you said that i looked homeless like that where where was that energy you know so narcissists are very good at big upping you even if it's not to your face even if it is to your face it's really more so for for the public eye it is not really for the victim to experience like joy from it if that makes sense so just for anybody dealing with a narcissistic a narcissistic partner that is like one of the ways that you can definitely See, because it's all about how that person is perceived to the outside people. But I just wish that people could share compassion or spread compassion. It is a very sad thing to watch her still be in the relationship. I see the light dimming from her eyes, as just as we saw the, the initial 29-year-old woman's light dimming from her eyes. Um, but she got out and she saw the light, you know? And sometimes you have to make a plan. Sometimes you have to ma- literally make an escape plan to get out of a relationship like that. So yeah, just you, you, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And even when you do, be compassionate because it's not easy to just leave. And the girl is 20 years old. And at 20 years, old i was in a lot of toxic shit and a lot of unhealthy stuff and you know depending on what her relationship is with other men in her life you don't know what she was taught to withstand you know so yeah just just be kind and be gentle um just as a lot of you were for the 29 year old who escaped so yeah i just want to give a shout out and that's what i'm talking about in regards to like the revolting and women speaking up like nobody thought that this 29 year old was going to leave the relationship and speak up because this guy also had another ex um i think an ex-fiance who was also abused and she was really scared to speak up and then she she came to it and spoke up about a lot of the things that she endured it's not easy just like it's not easy for me to express what i've been through in this in my relationship because you know there's there's just a psychological aspect of it and then like i said you know sometimes you want to protect your abuser i don't know what that's about i mean you know i think that i I don't know we can talk more about that and what y'all think that that's about but i think that i'm just um 
I've had so many downloads, like I said, thanks to the ultimatum queer love that I think that it's important that we just dissect a couple of things. So with that being said, let's go back to my original segment about the ultimatum queer love. But it is a great day to be gay. And I have been on the queer side of TikTok. Thank God. I love when I'm back on that side. I hate when they put me on hetero TikTok. Like, what the fuck do I look like? That's why I stopped saying that I'm bisexual, because I feel like that's what's putting me on the hetero side of TikTok. I don't want to be there. But... I have been watching The Ultimatum Queer Love. And if you know me, you know that I was going in for the original Ultimatum. And I can't even lie. When I first heard about The Ultimatum Queer Love, I was pissed. Because I feel like there was no femme on femme representation on that show when I first saw the coming attraction of it. I was also still pissed because the Love is Blind reunion just had me in oh, just a rage, a rageful stupor. And um, so when I saw queer love i'm like okay cool i just felt like i wasn't gonna be able to relate to any of the characters and it's crazy because i thought that the one femme on femme like relationship that was on that show i thought i was gonna be able to relate to them the most and i actually feel like they were the least relatable for me minus well they're gonna be hella spoilers so if you watch that show and you're not like caught up what the fuck are you doing and if you plan on watching the show then maybe you want to skip to like i don't know five minutes in because i'm about to like really talk about everything so buckle up buckos first of all I loved when the femme on femme relationship proposed because I loved that they both proposed and that would be ideal for me in my femme and femme relationship. I also, I think I've told y'all before that I just had a lot of trauma when it comes to mask presenting women. It's nothing against, you know, I also have a lot of love for people in my life who are mask presenting women. So it's, it's like, it's everybody. I mean, I love some hetero people. I hate some hetero people. So it's not like we're demonizing a certain type of people. But I just didn't feel like I could relate to the characters or was going to be able to relate to the characters in Crew Love. And I did. I really did. Uh, did I have a favorite character? I don't think that I did. I really, oh, yes, I did. I, what the fuck am I talking about? Sam. Sam was my favorite character. I feel like I can relate to her the most because I feel like she really found her voice. And, you know, as someone, as much as I judged Ozzy for leaving a, a majority of the confrontations that Ozzy was in, and, I, and I'm really going to try to be as cognizant as I can to pronouns, although the show dropped the fucking ball when it came to telling us what people's pronouns were. But I think that Ozzy likes to be referred to as Ozzy. So I think that I could actually, although I was aggravated by Ozzy, I could relate to Ozzy because when Ozzy would leave, I actually did that a lot in my relationship. And this is what I mean when I say that abuse can be insidious, right? Because it starts off as something not small. Like when I look back at it, this was very, very alarming. But I was so desensitized at the time that I, I disassociated. I truly just disassociated. I didn't, I just, I just felt, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of what I felt, but the story is that very often when the situations would get heated, when our arguments would get really bad, when our arguments would get really disgusting and we would speak to each other really badly, I would walk away. I would try to leave the situation and me leaving ended up resulting in restraint, physical restraint. So I remember one time I was walking out of my door after like a really bad argument. I just needed some space. We were sharing a what my one bedroom apartment and he literally pinned me up against the door and put his forearm on my neck and like wouldn't let me go. That is literally like strangling somebody and like I literally could not breathe. But for whatever reason, my brain wouldn't let me like wouldn't let it connect that that's what it was because this is in the beginning of our relationship, mind you. And even I, I will never forget 
When I finally did confess to my parents that these are some of the things that was going on in our relationship, I want to say a year and a half in, maybe two years in, uh, my dad and my mom had both had a conversation with my ex, who was my boyfriend at the time. And I will never forget my ex telling my dad, well, you know, she tries to leave. And so when she tries to leave, you know, I don't want her to leave. So, you know, like I, I so I just try to stop her from leaving. Like he, he wanted a cookie for it. Like he, he didn't see anything wrong with physically restraining me from leaving and not giving me my free will. It was the craziest thing. Another thing that I think abusers try to do is they'll do something and then try to make it seem like, oh, that's not what I meant to do. And then that's where the psychological warfare comes in. So there was this female friend that he had who was one of the prime sources to a majority of our drama that we had and a majority of like the arguments that we had. And I think I had caught him cheating and there was something in regards to her. And so he called her and wanted us to speak on the phone. And I didn't want to speak to her on the phone. So I literally got up off the floor. We were sitting on the floor. I got up off the floor. And as I'm trying to walk away, he literally pulled, I had on a hood and he pulled my hood, but also uh, uh, got a handful of my hair and completely yanked my head back. Again, this was in the beginning of our relationship. This might have even been the same day that he restrained me at the door. But I say all that to say, then he says, oh, it was an, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. But why would you, why, why would you even pull my hood? Because then you can once again strangle me. And now I understand why I have severe breath trauma when it comes to um, choking. And a lot of people like that during sex. I don't. Uh, and I've expressed that in my sexual encounters before and have severely disassociated when people didn't respect that. And... I've talked about this a little bit on TikTok, but that's not even like the final straw. Um, but the, the strangulation like that then leads to our final situation. And that's what made me officially leave, leave my relationship. And that was one of the, the triggering things about Ozzy was that Ozzy had a lot of childhood trauma. And Ozzy would project that childhood trauma into Ozzy's relationship with Sam. And so I, that once again was triggering for me because that's all that happened in my relationship. It seemed as though I, like my ex would black out when the abuse would happen. Although I'm sure he was very conscious about it, but it seemed as though he almost kind of could see through me. Like he wouldn't be looking at me. And so the final straw of our relationship was when we were fighting and we had gotten into it very badly. It was a lot of verbal abuse going on. Once again, I think I found something in his phone. I remember he had thrown a shampoo bottle at my um, back and it literally hit my back as I was walking away. Um, but he strangled me on the floor like choked me out and said something to me I, I used to remember it so vividly and I guess it's just my brain protecting me but he said like I want you to die or I'm gonna kill you or some something to those words and I literally started saying his name like stop like like stop like you're literally like you're literally like I'm like at this point we were screaming um because I could tell that he saw through me and even based on some traumatic things that he had shared for me from his past I knew that he wasn't seeing me in that moment like he was like little kid him again and it was scary as fuck and this is why shadow work is important because you know you can talk about your trauma all you want but if you're not handling it in a healthy way then it's going to manifest its well it's itself in very dangerous situations that's also why I had to stop being a healer because you very much so invite people into your life and you feel like, oh, they've expressed this, that, and the third to me. They are in touch with their trauma, right? But what are they doing about it? 
Because like I said, at the end of the day, you can be put at the hands of somebody else's lack of healing. And for the sake of not re-traumatizing myself, I did leave a lot out of this story, um, even with the intensity of it all. Like I definitely didn't include everything, but I think that y'all just needed to get the gist. And I'm really practicing informational boundaries. So yeah, I feel like like you got a good idea of the end, what the final straw was. And so seeing Ozzy go back to little 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 Aussie was was triggering because it's like those are things that you need to work on before you even get into your relationship because they can turn into extremely extremely abusive tendencies so that was my final straw and I never expressed that even talking about it now I've tried to like regulate my breathing and make sure that you know I'm staying in my body and I'm not disassociating as sharing it because I'm safe in this moment I'm out of that relationship and that was the day that I made him get all his stuff and leave like you have to get out my house it's so scary when I watch other relationships um or when i see these true crime shows and they talk about people who were in abusive relationships and weren't as lucky to get out and it even took me like to this day to this very day it is still hard for me to say that i'm a survivor of a domestic abusive relationship like it's still hard for me to say that i'm a survivor what that's about i don't know i'll talk to my therapist about it because when i recount all the things that i've been through and, and have all of these downloads it's just it it i definitely survived i definitely survived but i don't know um yeah what what the disconnect is or why i, I feel like i i it's hard for me to say that or to call myself that there are so many other parts of my relationship i mean i remember the day that there was some severe, severe verbal abuse on our way to his little sister's graduation. And by the time we got to his little sister's graduation, I felt like shit. I felt like the shit on the bottom of his shoe. And we had a really bad argument outside of his aunt's house to the point where like they had all met me. We went to the aunt's house and then I didn't even, we went inside and got into an argument in the house and they were all waiting for us to come upstairs. But at that point I felt like crud. Like I did not feel like a person. I felt like a shell of a person. So I left and I drove to go randomly pick my mom up from the airport because she was coming back into town. And I know that that was strange for her because that was, we were not planning on that. Like she didn't expect me to be at the airport to pick her up. That was nothing that we had ever discussed, but I just went, drove to the airport. I was just driving. And I remember I went to her house. I just needed to feel safe for a while. And I had a bruise on my knee. And I actually think that that bruise came from my job. But it's just the fact that when you're in an abusive relationship and you have bruises and then you start thinking like, oh, I don't want this person to think that my partner gave me this bruise. Well, you, the, your person wouldn't have to think that or the person that loves you wouldn't have to think that if you weren't in an abusive relationship, you know, if it wasn't a possibility that your partner gave you that bruise. And so I remember when I left uh, and I had been at her house for a while, but I left and I also think that I was locked out of my house. Like, I think that my ex had my other key because he had lost one of the keys. So we only had one key to the house. It was a lot. But I remember when I got downstairs to the car, my mom had walked me downstairs. And I said, you know, how do you know when you're in an abusive relationship? And this was a really pivotal moment for me. Um, and my mom looked at me and said, if you have to ask me that question, then I think you already know. And that was like, damn, like, she's right. That was really, 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 really eye-opening for me. And even with that being said, I still stayed in the relationship. And there's a lot more that went on in our relationship. I don't want to overburden. I'm not even overburdened because it's not a burden, but I don't want to overwhelm this episode with that because there's so much more to talk about. But yeah, it feels very good to be able to express certain things like this um, because... 
it, I feel like I just held it to myself for a very long time. I didn't know how to express this in a healthy way. And I think it makes it feel so real putting this on here and being honest about it, especially considering that my relationship was so public and so many people, um, like looked up to our relationship and and it just was like if only you knew like behind clothes that's what that's what I talk about about narcissists like they're very good at putting on this front of everything is okay you know and just for the sake of looking like oh I'm a great boyfriend I'm a great boyfriend but behind the scenes that's not the energy that I'm getting so yeah I um there were several times that I knew I needed to leave the relationship and when you're gaslit and when you're emotionally and mentally abusive it just it can take a toll on your psyche and on your on on how strong you feel like you really are and really can be versus the reality of how strong you truly are and narcissists are cunning and they will also use their childhood trauma against you they really will especially when they know you have a bleeding heart the goal of this episode is really to provide my story and to provide resources and i think by sharing my story i just may bring light to some things that certain people have gone through that maybe you didn't deem it as abuse just like i couldn't deem it as abuse and people see me and think oh she's so happy she's such a happy person so she doesn't go through things like this and it's like no and it's so interesting because i remember uh 2017 maybe 2016 maybe even before that i posted something because my friend was in a really bad relationship and i posted on facebook and was like you know if if you need a signal if you need a sign to know that you can leave your abusive relationship please know like this is your sign like this is your sign to leave and i got attacked in my dms i will never forget the two people who attacked me too and they went in, they were so uncompassionate and they were like, you don't know, you know, like they really wished some bad shit on me. And I think that they totally just missed the point of my, of my post. I wasn't saying it's so easy to just leave. That wasn't the goal, but the goal was that if you're not able to see the abuse, like this is your sign that I don't know. I just know that I felt good. I felt like it was a gesture that was supposed to be a gesture of kindness, just a word of encouragement to people who were in an abusive relationship. If you saw that post and it triggered something in your mind, take it as a sign to try to find ways to leave your abusive relationship. But they went and attacked me and came for my entire neck, right? I send forgiveness to those people because I know that they've been through a lot. And so all I can do is just give them love because I, I, that's all I can do. But it's silly of me to take things like that personally now, just knowing the way that, that minds and hearts work. But with that being said, you know, after I was in my relationship, I realized like, once again, which is something I, I knew when I posted that it's not easy to leave. Like it's not even with the sign that you may see, it might trigger something in your mind to start thinking about something about the escape. But it doesn't mean that once you see, you know, the sign that you need to leave, you're just going to leave because I saw many signs that I needed to leave. And it took me a very long time to to gain the courage. So that's why I gave major props to um, the young woman in that polyamorous relationship or the polygynous relationship, because it, it takes a lot of courage. And I'm so proud of her. And I'm so proud of myself for leaving. I'm so proud of anybody who li- who's listening to this who's left but yeah i just wanted to to share that and and this all started with how i could relate to ozzy so we'll get back to the queer love ultimatum now and then i will also want to put some references or some resources in the description below um in the description of this podcast in regards to abusive relationships hotlines therapists ways to find therapists and things of that sort because my therapist was truly a turning point when it came to me regaining my confidence me taking time for myself me creating boundaries me finding myself again like my mom called me one day and just straight up told me like i really lost myself and i remember i was in the car crying because i couldn't have conversations around my ex so i would be having these conversations with my mom in the car which was like a thing and then um 
yeah, that was the moment where she told me, like, you need to find a therapist, like, as soon as possible because you're losing yourself. And she said it with love, but I just know that it was just so painful for her to watch me go through that. So thank you to everybody who was very patient with me during my relationship, to all the people that I isolated from, to all the friendships that I neglected. I'm so grateful for y'all. And um, yeah, let's get back to Queer Love Ultimatum. And then if I think of anything else, I'll be sure to insert it in the episode. Now that I look at it, wow, the queer love ultimatum was very triggering and I have to talk about this with my therapist. But another thing that I thought was very interesting and was very disheartening was when the gaslighting at the reunion with Tiff and Mildred. When Mildred straight up gaslit Tiff and and at one point she said that she got arrested in her home and said that Oh, yeah, she threw a picture frame. And, like, I don't know why she gave such a description of the picture frame. Like, bitch, we know a picture frame has glass. I mean, I guess there are picture frames with plastic. But she threw a picture frame at TIFF. And I'm sure that she, like, downplayed what what that scenario was. Because you're not just arguing, like, kiki, 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 and then you just throw a picture frame. This seems like there's more to it, but okay. Then, then she said that she threw a dog gate. Have you seen their dogs? They literally have huge dogs. So I can only imagine how big that gate was, even if it was one of the gates for the little dogs. And even the fact that she told the police that she didn't throw the dog gate. It's just like, and then Tiff is like, you literally, oh, so now you're admitting it? Like now you're fully admitting that you did throw the dog gate? Because at the police report, you said you didn't throw the dog gate. And when Tiff went outside and started bawling, about not knowing their reality and if their reality was right oh my fucking god first of all the cry that tiff did i have cried that cry for i don't even know what the accumulation of the years like in days but i remember that i used to cry so much that my ex and i would celebrate when there was a day when i wouldn't cry and i might have mentioned this in another episode but we would be like, oh my God, like you didn't cry. And we would clap. Like we'd be like, oh my God, you didn't cry today. And then, then that night I would cry. But yeah, I um I thought it was very interesting that that I could relate to that situation so much. The gaslighting is real. And it's I'm grateful that they put it I'm grateful that I'm grateful that this oh god no I'm not I'm actually not grateful that this was shown I mean I feel like if it was shown with the right resources then yeah I'd be grateful but I don't think that Tiff's trauma needed to be put out on display for people to heal from their domestic violence assaults um but yeah I thought it was crazy that Mildred threw a whole dog gate at Tiff I also think it's very interesting because I remember one time I was going to I was going to uh, Mississippi with my dad and we were in the car and we heard this loud 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 screaming going off going off like a, a, like somebody verbally abusing somebody it was a girl who had to be at least five four screaming at their partner who was at least five two five one the person who was screaming was a mask presenting lesbian and the person who was getting screamed at was a femme presenting lesbian going in verbally abusing every ounce of her to the point where i felt so utterly triggered like my whole body got hot i had to breathe i was like i just had to like brace myself in a way i wanted to get out and say something because i've i've said things when seeing women being abused before like i've literally like to grown men um i've asked women if they were okay while being in situations i, I yeah it's it's very triggering but in this situation i know somebody uh because you know we were in like a garage for the rental car so it was echoing so it wasn't even just the verbal abuse it was the echoing and you know what the most painful part of this situation was the look on the femme's face when she 
was getting yelled at because she had this smile on her face and it wasn't a smile of like oh i love this it was a nervous smile of like i don't want people to know that i am suffering right now so if i just act like everything's okay and i've got i've been there before every day going to my job where i worked with my ex i had to act like everything was okay and even when i expressed that things were not okay people didn't care that things were not okay people didn't know how to how to uh i won't say people didn't care but People had their own struggles that they were dealing with so they weren't able to empathize with me because everything's okay in a tea as well, remember. And when it comes to LGBTQ relationships or relationships in the community, that's something that a lot of people do not talk about or do not regulate. You know, we talk so much about uh, cis-hetero relationships and how men shouldn't hit women, but what about how women shouldn't hit women and men shouldn't hit men? And those are supposed to be safe spaces, but I've witnessed so much emotional, verbal, physical abuse going on in these communities as well. So it's not just cis-hetero people and it's not to demonize any communities. It's just to say that abuse can happen anywhere. There was a TikTok that came up on my page the other day about a woman who was left with bruises um, after she left her physically abusive relationship with another woman. And so... You know, a lot of times it is like, oh, lesbians, it's so sexy. Oh, yeah, we love lesbian sex. And that's another thing on the ultimatum that I feel like they did a lot of. They definitely were exploiting these women or these people by showing so many sex scenes. There were not this many sex scenes in the cis straight ultimatum. I can tell you that much. I think I only remember one, if that. I don't even remember people really having it. was like the one with that girl. And um, I think it was like Shanice and Zay. And I don't even know what they did. Like, I still to this day don't know what they did. They never talked about it on the reunion. Like, it was, it was just whatever. But there were at least 10 sex scenes in this ultimatum one. But I still have to say that sometimes that's glamorized. But what's not talked about is the abuse. And nobody talks about how to get out of the abuse and you don't expect that i mean i don't expect that you know when it comes to being in a relationship with a woman i don't think oh is she gonna put my her hands on me and then how to regulate that if it happens but it's just as bad if you are in a same-sex relationship and somebody is physically assaulting you as it is if you are in a cis hetero relationship so i just want to make sure that i touch on that because i feel like this reunion brought that to light um, and it's something that a lot of people don't talk about. So I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. And I've I've heard people say like, oh, yeah, I put my hands in my girl and as a woman. And it's like, damn, like the fact that we can just say that, you know, like that, that's not OK. And even the verbal and mental abuse, that is just as insidious as the physical abuse. I mean, really, there are so many verbal fights that can occur. There's so many wounds that can be created when it comes to arguing verbally that can like be so detrimental. The scars that I got in my relationship have faded, but the emotional scars that I have from my relationship, I'm still working through. So yeah, definitely something that, um, that I wanted to just make sure that I brought to light because I feel like a lot of people don't. And I think that the ultimatum reunion brought that to light, as I said before. One more thing that I wanted to mention in regards to mental and emotional abuse is that control is a form of that. Isolation is a form of that. And being territorial regarding your partner and all things surrounding your partner's lives are a form of that. So I just want to make sure that I mentioned that because those are like the insidious things that I'm talking about. It's like, oh, no, my partner just loves me and wants to spend time with me. Yeah, but when you feel like you're being controlled or like you start having mental health issues because you feel like you're trapped, I think that that's something that should be looked into. I think that isolation is extremely insidious because you think, oh, I just want to be with my partner. My partner wants to be with me. And it's like... 
Yeah, but what about your friendships and cultivating other relationships and things of that sort? So yeah, just just finding balance in that and just observing certain things in a relationship, I think are very important, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, whether it be a heterosexual relationship, bisexual, um, same sex, whatever. Let's get into Yoli asking Mildred. After Mildred verbally abused Tiff, gaslit Tiff, Tiff's trying to get a word on edgewise. And literally as Tiff is asking questions and trying to trying to like stand up for themselves, Mildred is like, you're not letting me talk. Mildred, you have literally had the floor since the entire section of talking about Tiff and Mildred. The most disgusting part is that Mildred is a fucking Virgo. And it's like, there were three three Virgos on this show. Uh, there was... Mildred, who is September 4th, and there was Vanessa and Mal, who had my birthday, August 26th. And I'm like, God damn, it's so many spectrums of Virgoism. Like, I've heard that September Virgos ain't shit. No offense, September Virgos, but I heard that y'all have issues. Like, not ain't shit. I think that there is a evolved Virgo and there is an unevolved Virgo. And I think that even Vanessa and Mal have shown that there, there is like, you, you could be born on the same day. I don't know what their moon and their uh, rising are, but I mean, I don't necessarily feel like I can relate to Vanessa part one. I feel like I could relate to Vanessa 2.0 to where she seemed like she evolved a little bit more. That could also be some sociopath shit to where she just was able to put on a facade. But I, I do feel like she was able to carry herself a lot in a, a healthier way. And I felt like she was more authentic, but hey, I'm working through some shit when it comes to understanding sociopathic behavior. So I mean, I diagnosed people, but she was definitely giving manipulative in the very beginning of, I mean, in the first part of the show. Uh, but then you got Mel, who I think showed another form of Virgoism and I think showed another form of the evolution of Virgo. And the, like, again, the fact that we all shared the same birthday was crazy. But when Mildred finished or was going off on Tiff and then Tiff walked away and then Yoli is going to ask Mildred if she needs water. Do you need water after verbally abusing somebody? Like, what? Where? I'm not even going to waste my breath. The only thing I will say about Yoli is the pathological lying tendencies and the selective amnesia definitely threw me back to my relationship as well. Yoli's a Leo, so I think that her narcissistic tendencies actually put me back to a lot. A lot. I mean, shit, it put me back to chocolate. It put me back to phases of when me and my dad were in an unhealthy space. It put me back to a lot of things. So, I mean, gratefully, one, I'm no contact with chocolate. That's a blessing. Two, um, my dad and I have really healed a lot of our relationships. So they've, well, not they've, he's, my dad, has given me hope for Leos in general. But Yoli is definitely the unevolved Leo that is not able to take accountability for anything. And the selective memory is definitely something that I've experienced from a lot of different people. For instance, when Vanessa was like, oh, um, but what about when you were going to book a trip to Hawaii a few weeks after the show? And Yoli's like, was I going to book a trip to Hawaii after the show? The same way that Yoli also selectively forgot that she DM'd Xander. And Vanessa's like, oh yeah, but what about when you had asked Xander to send you pictures or selfies? And Yoli was like, did I ask Xander to send me pictures and selfies? Did I ask you to send me selfies? And then as always, Xander's like, yes, you did ask me to send you selfies. And yes, you did try to book a trip to Hawaii. Like, bitch what the f like oh and then she's like oh right it's oh she's so predictable it hurts that's all the time that she's getting on on my podcast but i say all that to say it triggered me when yoli checked in on mildred because i have a close friend who for like the first i mean it was it was for like i want to say that like the first two years i was out of my relationship with this close friend had to constantly tell me that he was going to check on my ex 
I don't know what it was. We would be like, this is one when I was, I remember when I was first out of my relationship and we were uh, at a smoothie bar and he said, oh yeah, I got to check on him um, and see how he's doing. But this is right after we had gotten out of a relationship. And, and I was still in a place of like just utter despair. And I think I said something to him. And and he always had this narrative of, well, me and your ex were closer than me and you were like at the job. And I always thought that that was very interesting because when I broke up with my ex, my ex was very clear that he was not friends with my guy friend because of his sexual orientation and that he didn't see himself hanging out with this guy friend outside of like me being around because of whatever his friends would think or whatever the case may be. So I, I always just thought it was crazy that like, this this narrative of oh I was closer to your ex than to you and the fact that this was always said you know but in my mind I'm like well this is my friend he wouldn't steer me wrong back in the day I just moving to Mexico has definitely helped me reflect on a lot of things when it came to my friendships and just certain things that I had to take a a look back at and just say like damn that wasn't that kind like that wasn't very friend like I give people a lot of amnesty um, in the moment and even now, but I just had to do a lot of reflecting as to like, what do I want in friendships moving forward when it just comes to respect, you know, and again, letting people be people, letting them heal their own stuff. But I just always thought that was very, very interesting. I remember my friend had passed away in 2020, like rest in peace to that beautiful, beautiful soul. And I was really torn up about it, but I felt like I had to be like the strong friend um, for all my other friends. I, it took me moving to Mexico to really grieve this friend because I had no space to grieve this friend in Atlanta. It's like really sad. Like I, that's something that I've definitely been going through. We're going to talk about my idea week, but I, sometimes I feel like, oh, I don't want to talk about all this stuff in one episode because it's so heavy, but this is my fucking life. So if you don't want to hear a heavy episode, then watch the one about sucking dick or something. But anyways, outside of that friend's funeral... I remember talking to my boss, my ex-boss, and this, this, this same friend that I told y'all about before. And they were like, oh, where's your ex? Like, why didn't he come? And I told them, like, oh, we were in an extremely abusive relationship. Mind you, they, they, they knew a lot about a lot of shit. Like, they were, this was no surprise. Like, I don't know why. Yeah, anyways, they had known, they had been there for a lot of the stuff that I had been through. So I said, yeah, we were in a very, a very physically abusive relationship, verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, abusive in all aspects. And so I'm no longer with them. And they started laughing and were like, girl, that's, that's a relationship. If you don't talk to you, if you don't push you around a little bit, if y'all don't throw hands a little bit in a relationship, you know, that ain't a real relationship. And they both like, like were going in about this and co-signing. And I was just like, as somebody, if, if y'all are claiming that you have experienced this before or that that's what you think a relationship is, then that's some healing that needs to be done on your part. Like that, that is, that's not anything that I ever want to experience in a relationship again. I don't think that love equates to putting hands on each other. So that was another side of just like friends not knowing, I guess, how to be there for me. But instead of just saying, I don't know how to be there for you or saying, I'm sorry, they put it into a comical sense. And I was like, wow, okay. <sighs> I'm going to take a breath. How about you? <sighs> but I do remember that this same friend, um, the guy friend that I was telling y'all about, continuously said that he wanted to check on my ex, wanted to check on my ex, like throughout the years. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like every time we were together, he's like, I have to check on your ex. <laughs> and so um, eventually I just said to him, like, these are all the things that happened in my relationship. Although I had expressed that we were in an abusive relationship and that should have been enough. I expressed all of the things that we went through. And even after expressing all of the, all of the things that we went through, 
and all the abuse that went on in the relationship, I still felt like I had to prove the amount of abuse that I had gone on in my relationship. When I think that saying I was in a physically abusive relationship and you having contact with my ex or even just mentioning the contact with my ex is triggering. Like you have contact, do what you want, but you don't have to tell me every time that you want to check in on him. Like that was the point of it. So all that I realized is what reminded me of when Yoli checked in on Mildred. It's like, what is what is up with the checking in on the abuser thing? I will never get that. Like I will never get that regardless of how much how close y'all were in the relationship or whatever the case may be if you see somebody's true colors or maybe you just don't believe my word to where i'm telling you all the abuse that went on and how traumatized i was but it just still seemed like even in that that conversation that i had to where i expressed my abuse i still wasn't heard to the extent that i wanted to be heard it still felt like excuses were being made for this partner and i don't know if that's just because of the vision that my friend had in his head of my partner but yeah, it was just that that whole ultimatum episode was very triggering. I've definitely worked through a lot when it comes to this. I've expressed this to this friend. You can only express so much before it's like, okay, I'm just not going to say it anymore. Luckily, this friend had stopped mentioning that they were going to check in on my ex. But yeah, that was just that was always just a little bit strange to me. So if you have a friend who is in an abusive relationship and they explain that they are no contact with their ex, there's just a word of advice not to constantly tell them that you are going to contact their ex. It's just it's unnecessary. You don't need to do it. They don't need to know if you're going to contact their ex. That's on you. I don't know why it wasn't your relationship (laughs) and that especially if that person doesn't want to have a friendship with you. But I mean do what you want to do it's your life free will but i just recommend not re-triggering your friend constantly even after they tell you that they're being triggered by it um because yeah i just feel like you shouldn't have to have certain conversations about certain things multiple times like you should be heard that first time but again people are people you got to give them grace and just let them be now you may be like damn it Tia, you come in hot with this shit but yeah i took it a tea week last week and oh by the way i think i said this in the beginning but i have like a whole bunch of funny stories to tell y'all about dating apps it gets lighter i promise <laughs> But yeah, I took an Atiyah week last week and I just had so many epiphanies. And basically in Atiyah week, if you know me, you know that I take Atiyah days. I don't talk to nobody. It's no contact to everyone, to the world. Um, I go within. I usually try not to be on social media. For whatever reason, I was on social media this week. But I mean, not this week, but the week that I took my Atiyah week. But I had so many epiphanies and downloads and i think that that this is my first official atia week to where i've gone like monday to friday without speaking to anyone well i talked to my mom on friday no yeah friday and then i talked to my friends that next monday because i just felt like i just needed to like slowly re-enter back into the world but with this atia week i didn't tell anybody i was taking an atia week because i felt like every time i was taking atia week like one it would either make people want to talk to me more or two it would, it would like the universe would just set it up to where like I wouldn't be able to have my IT a week. Like last time I got sick and it was just a whole bunch of stuff. So, and then people wanted to like schedule shit and interviews and all that stuff during that week. So I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm always announcing things to people and I feel like I'm always like, I'm always just being predictable in a way. Like that's a conversation me and my dad had when I was younger because like, it was in regards to friendships. But he used to say, you know, if people know that you're always going to be there, then they're going to, then like, if you're not there, it's going to be like such a fucking, like, I don't even know how to describe what he said, but it was very eye-opening to me because my, this is back when my friends were treating me like shit, quote unquote friends. This is back when I thought everybody was my friend. Now I have different kinds of friendships, but yeah, I just felt like, like in honor of being free, free, free. 
that I really wanted to just be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to announce stuff. I have literally a majority of my friendships. People will just disappear and just like be gone for literally a week. And then we'll just come back to talking like it's normal. Also, I think that I don't have any single friends right now. I have one single friend. But, like, I don't think... I think that all my friends are in relationships. And I know that when you're in a relationship, a week doesn't feel like a week. A week of of not talking to your friend does not feel like a week. Yes, you'll miss them. But you don't really count the days. You know what I'm saying? Because you're so encaptured, whether it be with your with what you got going on in your life or with your partner. I mean, it's just hard to communicate when you have a partner, like straight up, no matter what kind of relationship it is. So I think that that's that's why I think my friends who have partners don't realize how long we don't talk sometimes because they're with their partner or whatever the case may be. But then with me, like when I take a week to myself, I think that maybe they then become a little bit more cognizant of of the amount of time that I'm gone. I don't know. It's very interesting. I, I just recognize that. But I said that to say that um, I took a week without telling anybody and it felt great. And I didn't feel like I had to come back and explain myself because I can be like, it's okay for me to just exist and be and like disappear and come back and like, yeah, it just felt really freeing. And I think that the part of not explaining myself felt the most freeing. Um, like literally somebody reached out to me and had not replied to my text like for two weeks and they hadn't, there was no like, Hey, sorry for not replying for two weeks. So yeah, it felt really good, but I was able to have a lot of epiphanies. I was able to grieve a lot. I'm in the support group. It ended, um, like the, the, the day of the, the first day of my, a tea retreat was the day that it ended. But I remember I had like cried five minutes before the uh, support group started because I was literally randomly grieving my grandma and grieving my sexual assault and grieving who I was before my sexual assault. And then I had a dream about my friend that I told y'all about in the beginning of this episode. That I was grieving him. And that's when I had the epiphany that I wasn't even able to grieve that in Atlanta because one, we had to go turn up for Chickadee's birthday. And then two, um, I just had to be there for everybody and it was just a lot. And then I was also still literally grieving my own relationship. Like I was disassociating the entire year of 2020. Also, when I found out that my friend passed away, I was in the middle of like, our, well, first of all, I was in a lesbian relationship at the time. But as I was given the news, like as my friend, my friend literally called me and I was on the phone with my lesbian partner. My lesbian partner had to leave because she had to go handle some, some situation that her other friend was in that was triggering. And then... I and then I missed my friend's call so then my friend texts me like oh like our friend died she literally just said our friend died like that's not how you tell somebody that somebody passed away like I please do not do that to your friends this whole everything was just fucked up at this point in my life I get back on the phone no my lesbian partner didn't even get back on the phone with me she went to go help her friend i'm like wow i just found out that my friend passed away she she's so busy handling this shit with her other friend she's not helping me and then me and my lesbian partner ended up getting into a fight the entire week that i'm supposed to be grieving my friends so i so all this to say that then a whole bunch of other stuff happened that i don't feel like talking about but i never got a chance to grieve this so i felt like i was grieving my friend here i felt like i was grieving my relationship i felt like i was able to see the light of all the times that my ex said that he did not cheat on me i still have this to say that i have been at this crossroads of like yearning for intimacy yearning for connection yearning for love yearning for someone to care about me and not being able to use my relationship as like a like a blueprint for that because it was far from that it was pseudo love it was pseudo connection because he didn't know how to connect and it was like we had this imaginary fairy tale 
in front of people until we weren't able to put up that facade anymore. And then behind closed doors, we were fucking horrible to each other. Like, we were the worst. So I really think that when it comes to a relationship and what I want when it comes to connection and stuff like that, I feel fear sometimes because even when it came to the isolation which is a big thing that happens in abusive relationships, you don't don't have contact with your friends. You don't have contact with your family. I mean, I knew that it was bad when I wasn't speaking to my mom. And I'm like, that is not what we do when we went from speaking every day to, to barely. I mean, really, I can't even tell you what the frequency of us went to once I was in my relationship. So I know for sure we weren't having phone calls because it's very hard for me to have phone calls when I was in my relationship. Like phone calls, hanging out with friends i remember when i finally got to hang out with a friend in like december <laughs> this is sad because my relationship started in may but anyways i mean i would go to work and like see friends and stuff but yeah it wasn't until like the end of my relationship when i had to really start like making sure that like i made time to hang out with my friends and that was really their doing like they'd be like no Atia, like you have to come out with us like you have to take time for yourself and yeah it was just really interesting it was also a very big fear of infidelity like if i left him alone he'd cheat on me but like girl it happened anyway so yeah i i think that i have a lot more healing to do when it comes to my relationship and i always say that i don't want my future partner to like follow me on social media i would love for them to listen to my podcast but if they don't listen to my podcast it's cool because i remember uh when i first started dating and this is a good segue into my last segment which is story times about fucking delusional people and dating apps but when i first started going on dating apps i was so wounded and i remember i was talking to this guy and i said something to him like yeah well i need you to be gentle with me because i was in an abusive relationship and he was like i could tell <gasps> i was like yo you whoa like first of all you never should say that to somebody who is in an abusive relationship that's just all around fucked up but I um I I knew what he meant like based on um, based on how I was carrying myself I knew what he meant but you don't say that to somebody like that was still extremely disrespectful we had only been talking for a fucking day or two like really it was really fucked up he was just an asshole in general I'm happy I never fucked around with him but but I really was someone who would just like dump on people and tell them everything. People I was dating, like yeah, I was in a peaceful relationship verbally, physically, blah 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 blah, and I I learned that you shouldn't share things with people that you don't know that you can trust and i don't know when you know you can trust somebody but there was a quote that says if you share things with someone about what you've been through in your last relationship it kind of sets the standard for how much they know that you'll tolerate now granted when you've really grown through your trauma you won't take shit you are out at the first red flag fuck a second and a third so I think that there's there's a there are waves of evolution, but I think that yeah, when you see that first red flag, you should literally leave. And I think that that rule of not telling people certain things because they'll do the same to you applies to people who may be in the fluctuation stage of their healing, to where they may still take some of those things that they've tolerated in their last relationships from their new relationship. So I, I partially do believe that you should you I do believe you should not trauma dump or share overshare in the beginning of your relationship or in the beginning of getting to know someone uh even when i first met this guy that i was when i first met panda we first started talking about how his ex cheated on him and i didn't cheat on him at all i was very unnecessarily faithful to him in our non-relationship but 
you just shouldn't start off with trauma because I think that that definitely starts a trauma bond. I think that it should, it, the chemistry should be from just feeling an authentic connection and being able to connect about things that you love and stuff like that. And that's what I'm really excited about. But I do know that I'm still living in a place. I mean, I remember when I followed my crush on um, TikTok and then we were talking and then like, I don't know, two nights or a night or two later, I posted these two videos of me basically venting about how lonely and single I was. Like that to me just is a little bit of a sign that I still need some healing because I haven't spoken to them since. And I'm like, yeah, those videos probably scared him away or my DM got lost. I'm manifesting my DM got lost, but still. I just I just know that I'm still so scared when it comes to connection and I also feel like I need practice with boundaries and I need practice with like remember like I need to write down like what are my red flags what are my hard no's I know for a fact that a hard no is putting your hands on me or threatening to put your hands on me or verbally abusing me I need to write down what verbal abuse looks like to me um yeah different things like that just so that I can feel more confident I think I'm gonna do that let's do that let's pull out a pen and a pad right now because I want this to be a really productive episode and whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship, I think that you can do this. Do you hear my the pages turning? All right, so we're gonna write down. You got your page, your pa- paper and pen. All right, you're gonna write down hard nose. Um, you can also put like slash. Um, what what was what was the word that me and my ex used at the time? Deal breakers, which he broke immediately uh, in the first like month of us being together. But anyways, deal breakers. All right. So hard nose and deal breakers is going to be number one. We'll write those down. And then um, on a couple of lines down, I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven lines down. We're going to do boundaries that they can't cross. So, for instance, um, and if you want to break it down, you can into like physical, emotional. You can put in parentheses like physical, emotional, like no name calling. Um, Like you want to be able to hang out with your friends um, freely. You want to be able to, you don't want to feel like you have to explain yourself. You want to be able to handle confrontation well. Um, They can also be sexual boundaries. Like I don't want to be choked. So that's a thing. But yeah, I feel like those two things are good for right now. Like hard nose, deal breakers, boundaries. Let's write one positive thing. Um, Let's write, let's write foundation, like seven or eight lines down foundation and that can be like i want us to have a foundation of healthy communication i want us to love animals i want to feel so cared about i want to be i want my partner to be considerate i want my partner to be empathetic and compassionate like those that can be your foundation um even if it's like financially stable that's a fucking foundation i think that is totally okay to write down so yeah all right great we got we got our hard nose and boundaries and our foundation okay great now it's time for our last segment of oh i guess those really were story times before but story times um from when i was on all these fucking dating apps i don't even want to tell y'all what dating apps i was on because it's embarrassing honestly i was on every single dating app but the one that i was on for the shortest was black be okay because when i tell you it was the fuggliest fucking people on that app yo but i was on okay cupid i was on um i was on all of them this is not me giving a plug because i didn't find love on any of them and they were really tragic oh my god why oh my god why was i on the one that they be on for catfish what's that one called something about fish better fish in the sea um fishing oh my god i can't remember the name 
Oh, it's going to come to me. But yeah, why was I so desperate that I was on that one, y'all? Knowing that every time somebody met somebody on Catfish, it was literally that app that they were on so as many of you know i tried to have a blooming hoe phase after my relationship was done because i was hashtag wounded and i just wanted to fill a void that really i need to fill within myself but i ended up filling with other people so the beginning of this podcast i shared a lot of episodes about the positive or more positive experiences that i've had sexually with people but these are some of the quackadoodle dates that i have gone on i'm gonna try to remember these nicknames oh my god let me t- oh my god let me tell you about this first one he was from south africa supposedly allegedly and this is how i should have known that south africa was gonna haunt me for the rest of my fucking life i never told y'all about how the whole country of south africa believed me when my grandma died but anyways we're gonna get back to that at some point later on in life it's not that serious right now but it was never that serious but i'm going to call him policeman because that's we're just gonna call him that First of all, I've always had a thing for guys with braces, right? So he had braces and I met him on, I'm just going to say the apps. I met him on Hinge. And this guy at this point, I'm pretty sure was a pathological liar uh, because I just found him on TikTok. I didn't even look for him, but you know how it says like, oh, suggested people. He popped up under my suggested. I don't even have his number saved anymore. So I don't really know why TikTok does that. But um, I looked like, and when I looked on his page, it literally had a totally different name from what he had told me same last name totally different first name so that's one you lied about your name second he said he was a police officer but if i'm not mistaken i feel like he was only 21 or 22 years old and it just wasn't making sense like how are you a police officer at 21 or 22 it just didn't really make sense to me but okay and then he said that he had gone to school he said he was born in south africa came here to work and be a police officer and went to school in Bermuda and then had to leave Bermuda or the Bahamas or some shit and ended up doing online classes at a school in the Bahamas or Bermuda and something about like like I think his mom was rich or his dad was rich like somebody had money because I do remember that I had gone to visit him at one of his one of his apartments and it was pretty cool like it was on like a it was like on a higher level or whatever uh and i don't i don't know what happened that night i think that i remember that this is right after my friend's funeral and so i had just like gone over to his house i think we just cuddled he might have given me head uh i think that that was it i don't know i'm trying to think if i ever gave him head but i remember his penis was really small it's very hard for me to give small penises head like i have to really concentrate no offense i mean i love it but yeah believe me we are team little dicks over here we love little dicks but yeah and then i remember later on i ended up going over to another apartment of his that he ended up getting but this was student housing but it was like student housing with four different bedrooms and it was like a penthouse y'all i'm i cannot make this shit up it was a penthouse in midtown atlanta if you know the penthouse you know the past it was like two floors so you literally walk down you walk up one flight of stairs you go down to the other one on one flight of stairs he had a pinball table and then you walk down to the other floor and it was two more rooms. It was two rooms upstairs, two rooms downstairs. It was literally glass. Like the walls were glass looking out the entire Atlanta. And he didn't have any roommates. And he said he was thinking about like releasing out those other rooms. And I'm like, okay, so do you own this? Like, and he had mad furniture, mad new furniture that he had just unpacked. Like that he had furnished this whole apartment. I'm like, what happened to your last apartment that I was at? how is this your apartment and then i remember we were cuddling and then we kept like doing this weird kissing thing i don't think he was that great of a kisser but he did have nice lips but he wasn't that good of a kisser and then he gave me head for like two hours 
He literally gave me head for two hours. I feel like I didn't even really want the head. But I just liked his mouth being down there. Like, I wasn't orgasm. I just liked his mouth being down there. But I remember he gave me head for two hours, and then he had walked me back to my car. And I think that either he had paid for my car. I hope he paid for my fucking car parking. And I'm trying to think. I think I went back upstairs for another hour, and I think he gave me more head. And then I went back to my car, and I drove home. But it was just so much shit that did not make sense. It was so many lies. That's all I can really remember from and he did not have a south african accent at all he had no accent like it did not he had like kind of a country accent he did not live in the country for that long but his mom was still living in south africa like all of it just felt like he was literally making up his life as he went along and that to me is some delusional shit that i would like to rock with i want to be so fucking delusional like we're gonna have an episode about being delusional and about how we can be more delusional in life to create the life that we want. Because this guy was really manifesting everything and I was believing it. I was eating that shit up. All right. So that's crazy South African policeman. Then we have the guy that... Okay, so apparently I was a fucking cougar because definitely um was dating younger men. I think he was like, once again, 21, 22. That was my problem. And yeah, because what happened was... When I was doing guys my age, they were all ugly and corny. And so I started lowering the age on the app. I mean, I'm in my fucking 20s. So I'm like, this is when I'm going to be able to do this. Because when I'm in my 30s, I really don't think I'm going to be fucking trying to date. So I'm not. Mark my words in the words of Justin Bieber. I will not be trying to date no 20, young 20-year-olds. My rule has always been, if you can't drink, I don't want you. I'm sorry. If you, if you cannot drink, then I don't care what the legal limit is of 18. If you can't drink, then you're, it's not legal to me. So... I was like, okay, well, I'm in my 20s. Let's just fucking go with it. And I was like fucking desperate. So I ended up talking to this guy. He was younger. And I remember he had something in his teeth. And he went out to go get... uh, I'm not even going to say the specifics of the date. But we went out to fucking go get some shit. And I remember he didn't have a car. That was always a red flag to me. I I need my guy to have a car. I have PTSD for my relationship. Like, you got to have a car. And then uh, we were walking. And then he started talking about like witches and like um but but not in like a kiki way like oh my god like witches are so dope he was like nah there are witches around they follow me and i can tell when somebody's a witch and i was like mm, i mean i'd be i'd be i'd be doing some shit that, that i'm sure somebody would consider kind of witchy like i mean i feel like some people be feeling like tarot cards and oracle readings are like of another world so i mean if you're gonna judge but yeah that was just weird and then i remember at the end like at the end of our date, I guess we kissed and I was so horny. And that's how I know that I was horny because I kissed him because he had something in his teeth. So like that to me was like, why would I kiss him? And I, when I say something in his teeth, I don't just mean like, oh, he had something in his teeth. I mean like he needed to brush his teeth. And to me, I am utterly ashamed to say that. Like I want to delete this part of the podcast, but I'm going to leave it in because I need to remind myself of how I used to be. And so I fell back from him after that because he started going in. Like, wanted to see me again and this, that, and third. And then I remember at one point I was like, well, you know, I'm just, like, try, quite honestly, like, because I've been trying to flex my throat chakra. Like, I just am not into you in that way. And I'm grateful for the time that we had. I think you're a cool guy. But, like, I just don't think that we're quite compatible. And he was like, well, what if I just want to smash? Like, what if I just want to smash? Because, you know, I post about fucking sex on my Instagram. So everybody thinks that that's just what I want, which is why I don't want to have my partner on my social media anymore. But he's like, yeah, I just want to smash. I just want to smash. Um, nah. Like, no. First of all, that's not how you ask at all. Uh, that's not how you go about it. Second of all, no. Like, fucking go brush your teeth. So, yeah, that fucked me up. Um, that was another one that I met. I think I met him on 
Bumble. Yeah, Bumble had... I think I had the worst experiences on Bumble. Next, we have the crazy Egyptian guy. I don't even remember his name, but I remember he had, like, gold eyes or some shit like that. He would always stare through my soul, and we had gone to the battery um, in Atlanta to go out to eat. And at this point, I knew that he was crazy because when I got in the car... I had him pick me up, like, a block down from where I lived. And when I got in the car, he said oh, you're pretty. Like, oh, you're actually pretty, like, in real life, too. I'm like, yes. Like, that's how he greeted me. It wasn't like, hey. It was like, oh, you're pretty. Like, what the fuck did you expect? Now, granted, when I started, like, dating women again after my lesbian experience, I realized that girls really do be catfishing. Oh, we're not even going to talk about my experience with women on this fucking app. We're not even going to talk about it. We're not even going to talk about it. It's just certain things we're just not going to talk about. And it's that. But um, girls really do be catfishing. And, and as a woman who knows about filters and Facetune and all that stuff, I definitely can see how somebody can look totally different in person. Whereas I know I have been catfished before. But yeah, he was like, you're pretty. And then I said, oh, thank you. And I said something else. He was like, oh, you got a lisp. So we're just saying the obvious. Yes, niggas. So I got a fucking list. Like, what the fuck? Like, yes, I have a list. But I'm, I'm, I'm highly aware. So then he started talking about some random shit. And I thought he started telling me about some drama that he was having with his brother or something. I don't even know. And then when we were walking to the restaurant, he started telling me about how he was in exile. Because, like, he was Egyptian. And, like, exile is when, like, you're alone for, like, mad days, like, months. And you just get, like, dropped off at this one point in the world. And you have to, like, find your way to another point in the world. And I was like, what is happening? And then, like, he had to change his shirt because he felt like he was underdressed. Like, I guess, I, I don't even know. I had on, like, a fucking crop top and pants. And he was like, no, I gotta change. Like, I feel underdressed. And he, no, he didn't change his shirt. He changed his pants. He literally changed his pants outside of the car and was like, don't look, don't look. I'm like, believe me, I'm not like, no, believe me, I'm literally not looking. Is he had on Adidas sweats? Oh, wait, he had a regular sweats. I think he changed into Adidas sweats. I'm telling y'all, it was it was so confusing. Oh, my God. OK, so that was the Egyptian guy. And then we have the model. Now, the model guy did look really good in person. I can't lie. And like, but one thing about it is I hate when I'm out with somebody and they overtly try to connect. Like, why can't we just naturally connect? Why does it have to be an overt thing? So like when I would be like looking at my menu, like when we would eat and I used to always go to the same places. Just like I would take my dates to the same or they would take me to the same places. Like I would request that I always wanted to go to this one restaurant. So, and like the only reason why I didn't go to that one restaurant with the Egyptian guy was because like the the line was too long. We were like, now nah, we're hungry. But this guy literally was. I was looking at my menu and I looked up and he was staring into my cranium, like staring into my soul. And, and we kept like talking and we would have this like really intense fucking eye contact. Like, it, but it was too intense. Like, my guy, okay, like you don't have to stare at me. And like every five seconds, he would just be like, you're so beautiful. Like, you're so beautiful. Like, I just really feel you. I've never felt this connection with somebody else before in my life. Like, I really... And I remember one time, like, we were texting, and he was talking about marriage. He was talking about kids. He was talking about being in a relationship. And I'm like, bro, like, I'm not on that right now. Um, Maybe I will be after we get to know each other, like, in the far fucking future. And I think that that kind of turned him off. Oh, and he claimed that he was a virgin. I cannot believe I almost forgot that part of the story. He claimed he was a virgin. 
Okay, so that's not even the icing on the cake. We had our little date or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my, my sister-in-law is having a photo shoot and she needs me to, to hire a guy to shoot with us. So are you down? Like, because I know you're a model. Um, it's, if you have, do you have a tux? And he's like, oh yeah, I got, because he always talked about how great he dressed, right? And even in his, in his um, outfit on Bumble, he had like a tux on. So he's like, yeah, I got a suit. I got a suit. Like this, that, that. I'm like, okay. So he's like, okay, I'm down. Why when we get, why it's time for the shoot? I get to my sister-in-law's house. He's not answering none of my texts. And she's like, yeah, he stopped replying to me. And, um, and then he said that he didn't have a suit. And I'm like, but he told me that he did have a suit. He literally has on a suit in this picture. I'm like, well, what about the suit in this picture? And why did he say like, oh, what did he say? Like he had borrowed that suit or some shit. I don't even know what he said about the suit. But then he says, oh, to, to me, he didn't even tell her. He tells me I have a stomach ache. No, he either told her and didn't tell me or he told me he didn't tell her. But he's like, I have a stomach ache um, and it's really bad and I couldn't find this. And even the night before, he was like, oh, I couldn't find a shirt and I'm freaking out. Like, I, I really want to be professional and, and be able to have everything that you need. But he was just like, had like a fucking panic attack for two days about this goddamn photo shoot and literally just ghosted us. Like, I never spoke to him again. He texted me something absurd and I wish I remembered what it was. God, I'm so mad. I can't remember what it is. But when I remember, I'll let y'all know. I'm just going to come back to the model at some point in my life. But yeah, he had texted me something crazy. Oh my God, I'm so mad that I don't remember it. But um, I remember I texted him and I was like, I'm extremely disappointed that like you you did all this and like you didn't express like if you weren't feeling well, this, that and third. Oh, because then I think he said like he went out and ran errands later on. I'm like, I thought you weren't feeling well, though. Now you're running errands and shit. Like, I don't even know what it was, but I don't want to make anything up. So there was him. And then, um, oh, let me see. Are there any other stories that I want to tell about this? Oh, I remember there was this one guy who was a narcissist. I don't remember his name, so he doesn't get a nickname. We'll just call him Narcissist. But I had followed him, and he followed me, and we started texting. And that's one of the reasons why I stopped giving people my number on dating apps. He was on Hinge. But I remember texting him prematurely, and he kept asking me all of these questions, like all these probing questions. And I get it. Like, you want to get to know somebody. But they weren't like, oh, you know, what do you like to do during your day? Or like, what's your passion? It was like more so... I just felt like it was like financial-esque questions and like questions about like what I was doing with my life. And then at one point he said, well, I don't want to waste my time if I don't feel like you have anything to offer to me. And I don't want to feel like, you know, like, you know, that you're wasting my time and that he's kept saying that I have nothing to offer him. Like I literally didn't have anything to offer him. And I'm like, nigga, I literally own like three businesses. I'm a model. I'm an actress. But what I'm not going to do is try to prove my worth to you because you're an asshole. That's what it was. He just kept coming on heavy about all of the accomplishments that he had and all of the things that he had gained during life and all of these magical things and all of the things that he expected from his partner. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, so eventually I was just like, I don't have to prove anything to you. You're blocked by like, it just gave like you, you wanted me to prove myself worth to you and show you like the assets that I have. Like, I don't know. It was on some, some just narcissistic shit. So that's one of the reasons why I'm off dating apps. I wish I remembered those instances a little bit more clearly, but they were so like, come see, come saw. Like, I mean, they were so, so quick. You know what I'm saying? Even I told y'all about the Sagittarius that had reached out to me and said that he was from Mexico and he was, um, we were, we could relate so much and he used to live in Mexico and all this stuff that I found out he had a one-year-old daughter and I was like, and then, um, he told me that he made jewelry and that he was selling and he kept talking about selling jewelry and then the, the i want to say the second or first night second the second night that we were talking and texting he literally asked me for a hundred dollars for his rent 
because his, he claimed his rent was due in the middle of the week? Is it not a universal thing that all rent is due on the 1st to the 4th? At least specifically the 1st, but you get into the 4th? Okay, so that that to me, I was like, buddy, no, 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 no. And then I didn't even reply. And then later on, he was like, oh, I'm so sorry if I made you uncomfortable. Like, I figured it out. I know the fuck you did. I know the fuck you did figure that shit out. Oh, I do remember another guy I had met on Instagram, I think. No, 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 on Bumble. And um, he had shark teeth. And he, he... Yo, what is up with these guys having these magical babies? We were talking, 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 getting along, talking real freaky, like real fucking freaky. And But I felt like the conversation always led back to sex. And anytime I would try to talk about anything like serious, like it would always go back to sex. So I started bringing that up to him, like, why must we always talk about sex? And he had told me that he had went to go see his um, daughter, right? Come to find out, mind you, Shorty was like 23, 24 Come to find out, Shorty had a daughter and a son. And the son was like 12. And the daughter was like 4. So you was really having kids. Like, you was for real having kids. Like, whoa. And then he was like, yeah, like, I... And then he lives in a totally different state from that. It was just... It was a lot. Like, it was giving a lot. Like, it was giving... It was just giving a lot. Like, I I was not prepared for that. And the, the fact that we were talking for months and I did not know you had a 12-year-old son... Oh my God, it got me scratching my head. So yeah, those are some dating app instances as to why I will never join a dating app again. Although I've been so tempted, like, oh, oh my God. I also be wanting to DM my crush again, like, hey, did you see this message? But I'm trying not to be crazy. I'm trying not to be crazy and it's so hard. But I know that everything that's supposed to work out is going to work out. (sighs) That's the craziness leaving my body. All right, now we're going to end this episode with the segment of advice because I know that people have been asking me for a lot of advice um, and I know I'm not going to be able to fit it all into this segment, but I do just want to give a disclaimer. I am giving I don't know energy to where I'm going to give you advice from what I from what I know, but don't take it for what it really is. I mean, like take it for what it is, but use your own discretion. I'm not telling anybody to do anything. I want you to make your own choices. All I can do is advise, but I'm not a doctor. I can't give any medical advice. Um, if you are in a situation that is dangerous, you know, like I can't physically help you, but I do just want to be able to help as many people as I can with situations that I've been in with my own, um, with my own experiences. So a lot of this is going to be me-based stuff and and how I've handled situations like the ones that you may have been through or may have been asking for advice from. But again, I am not a doctor. I am not a sexologist. I am not a sexpert. And I am not an officiated sex educator. I just like to talk about pleasure and share knowledge and that I've learned and break the shame and stigma. So with that being said, let's get into our first question. These will all be anonymous, so nobody's going to be blown up. All right, so this first question is going to come from my Instagram DM. And the question is... How do I cream instead of squirt? And I think that that's a great question. Now, I have some physical anatomy pictures and videos on my latest YouTube video about how to squirt or like what squirting actually is. So I think that watching that YouTube video will probably be the best advice. But in that video, I talk about how female ejaculation, which is basically like creaming versus squirting. In one sense, they come from the same place, but in another sense, they come from a different place. So from my knowledge, um, creaming and like the, the white, thick female ejaculating fluid 
comes from your female prostate or your skin gland and then your squirting and like the the liquid that squirts out comes from the stimulation of your g-spot and your urethra so i think that figuring out exactly where these glands are and where these um where these are in your anatomy will be very helpful um but i don't think that you can necessarily control it if you squirt um maybe your g-spot is just getting a little bit more stimulated in my mind i can't quite remember how far the skin gland is away from the um from the urethra and i and from your g-spot and i also know that they can happen simultaneously like you can cream and squirt at the same damn time so yeah that that i guess that that's kind of my it's not advice but if you look at those videos it just may be able to tell you how to stimulate one part better than the other to be able to cream instead of squirting um and like i said you can do both at the same time which i think is very interesting so i hope that 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 answered the question and thank you so much for asking i'm so honored that you picked me as your safe space i can actually highly relate to this next question and it states, um, I have a really hard time masturbating. I've tried fingering myself, but it's just so uncomfortable for me. It's not just an uncomfortable feeling. It also makes me feel sick to my stomach. I've told my friends about this and they say they've never felt sick to their stomach the first time they fingered themselves. I've also looked up on this and it seems like no one else has had, has had this experience or hasn't had experience with this either. And I can relate to this because this is a similar feeling that I get when I have back shots. I actually very much so hate back shots because I feel like I can feel it in my stomach and it physically makes me feel sick. Um, and I've had sex before with certain partners in different types of positions where I felt like I was physically going to throw up. And yeah, it's like, it's like very fucking traumatic. And I feel like this is actually the first time I'm verbalizing that. So thank you for this question. And at first I used to just think like, oh, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my body. Maybe it's this, that, and the third. But I think it's a lot lot of things that can contribute to feeling sick during having sex um but i when i looked up some things i found something on cura i know that this is like user-based information so i don't think these people are doctors but this is about um somebody getting fingered by someone else and they say why do i feel like throwing up and my boyfriend is fingering me and then somebody comments and says if he's going deep, there's a good chance he's touching your cervix. Some women enjoy having their cervix touched, some gently, some roughly, some both, but more find it unpleasant. Um, stimulation of the cervix can trigger something that's called vasovagal response, which is basically your nervous system reacting out of proportion to certain triggers. Common triggers include emotional, so emotional shock, the sight of blood, and in some women, cervical stimulation. Usually when it happens due to cervical stimulation, it's something rough like an IUD insertion, removal, or some women just have a more sensitive cervix. And when I think about the sex that I've had, I think that those moments were, that I felt sick were usually when my partner was going too deep with inside of me and was physically like pummeling my pelvis. I'm, not, I'm sorry, my cervix. Side note, your cervix can get bruised. Um, and I think that although the cervix is only like, I think, eight inches within your vaginal canal, all bodies are different. So I, I'm not a doctor. And so I don't want to say like, oh, you may have like a lower cervix or whatever the case may be. But there could be... um I feel as though there could be maybe some accident like cervix stimulation that that to me makes sense. Um, or it could be maybe that when you 
are fingering yourself, your body isn't as relaxed. Maybe I know for me, like I get very um, nauseous when I'm anxious and my stomach just feels like queasy when I don't feel relaxed and I feel uneasy. So maybe there are certain meditational practices that you can do and certain breathwork practices. I post a lot about breathwork on my TikTok, but maybe certain practices that you can do um, to where you can really make your body become so so intertwined with itself and so still and so um, relaxed and so connected that when it's time for you to finger yourself, you're able to feel connected and understand that it's your finger, but also also be able to provide yourself that pleasure because for me it's hard to finger myself when i know that it's my finger so i i want i'm gonna try this out i'm literally going to do some meditation of practices try to finger myself and see if i have a different experience now um and i also was told that if you finger yourself with another hand that that can also like with your non-dominant hand unless you're ambidextrous and that can help but i think the sick to your stomach feeling can come from either like i said accidentally touching your cervix or just physically not being comfortable before you're masturbating. I have a masturbation playlist that you can sign up for if you're not already signed up for that. And that just has like some music that can help you get in the moment and get in the mood. Um, but yeah, it could just be like a form of anxiety and your body just reacting to that. And maybe maybe you can do some things to calm your body down beforehand. Um yeah, because I'm trying, because it seems like the key element is sick to your stomach. You're not complaining about not necessarily feeling anything, but it's the fact that you're like physically uncomfortable when you're doing it. And I understand, like, I literally get physically uncomfortable when I'm fingering myself. I'm trying to think, like, if the sick to my stomach part happens. So I'm going to come back with an update on the next episode. I'm literally going to put it in my notes and let y'all know, like, how my fingering experience went and if I felt sick to my stomach. But I don't think that it's anything for you to feel like, oh, like, like damaged about i think that is definitely something that can be like healed and fixed um and i'm not sure if you're in therapy but maybe that can be something that you can talk to your therapist about or a counselor about because they may have some other like resources and things like that and some other knowledge in regards to like anatomy and things but to me it definitely chalks up to either anxiety or or like your cervix being touched in a way or another part of your body being touched maybe when you insert you can focus more on your g-spot which is a little bit above your um like you insert your fingers and then your g-spot's gonna be like a lump that you feel at the top of your vagina basically um versus sometimes we finger like in like when we see porn we see them just like ja 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 like jabbing in their vagina and i think that there are certain ways that we can stimulate ourselves also maybe not not fingering yourself as deeply maybe fingering your vulva and your lips first and getting really lubricated and then just fingering your vaginal canal and not going as deep in your vaginal canal maybe that can be something that's helpful too and you can ease into going deeper and deeper but you have nerves throughout your entire vulva and your entire canal so Hopefully that can help you as well. And I don't know how many fingers you're using, but maybe try one finger or try 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 one finger. Maybe that'll be helpful as well until you get comfortable. And then maybe two fingers will start feeling good. So yeah, that's my word of advice um, for that. I, I hope that that's really helpful. And I thank you for asking because it, it definitely helped me with an epiphany as well as some things that I'd like to do to practice fingering myself um, the next time that I'm getting aroused or the next time that I want to feel pleasure. So thank you for asking and thank you for trusting in me to give you this advice.
This next word of advice is actually going to come from a user who emailed me a long time ago after episode one. So I thank you so much. When I say user, I meant to say like a, a, a love bug. I don't even know why I said a user. Like I guess user like a, like, you know, a profile user. I don't know why I use that. But um, uh, a love bug who emailed me a long time ago. Um, so thank you for your patience. But I really want to make sure that I end the episode with your question because you have just been so utterly patient with me. Oh, my God. I had to scroll all the way down to September to find this question, but I'm so happy that I found it. I thought there was a fever dream like I imagined it. Okay, so sweet. First of all, thank you for addressing me as Tia in my um in the subject and like you spelled it right. I hate when people spell my name T-I-A. Like it's the only way that my like own, the only person who will call me T-I-A is my grandma. But T-I-Y-A, I feel like you know me. So thank you very much for this. But okay. <laughs> um so it says so I'm 21 years old and throughout my sexual encounters, I think I've only came once. And even that time, I'm not 100% sure that I did. But I think so because I can remember my body being so overwhelmed in a pleasant way that I was shaking and still having sensation and even crying for about five minutes after it. But recently, I've noticed that when I receive head that is actually good, I'll be so overstimulated and feel like I just need to pee and always end up having to make my man stop because the feeling is so intense. I specifically noticed this when he fo- when he's focusing on my clit. I can only handle oral for a few minutes. So because I get that urge to pee, even though I don't really have to, and because the head is so intense, I just stop. Could you help me figure out what's up? Do I need to, do I just need to relax and let go? Is the feeling of needing to pee a sign that an orgasm is coming? And is that almost painful, intense feeling also a sign? Is it normal? Thank you. Sorry, I'm so long-winded, LOL. <laughs> no need to apologize because I am so long-winded. Y'all, I had to apologize to somebody the other day because I literally sent them like 15 paragraphs. So no, that's that's not long-winded at all. I think you gave me a great amount of details and some good perspective. So I'll start off with the oral. Um, I, I have actually experienced the same thing to where like I've had oral sex and it's been so intense. Like I've asked a person to stop. Um, and I think that sometimes intensity can be so intense that it does no, it no longer feels pleasurable in a way. So I think that specifically when it comes to the clit, guys often think that they have to just focus on the clit and there are 8,000 nerves in your clitoris. So I think that that it's okay to need a break sometimes if he cut like even if he focuses on your lips and then comes back to your clit i think that that can make the situation feel so much better for you because i think that intensity like i said can sometimes lead to almost like a painful kind of feeling to where like it's so intense it doesn't really feel good anymore it's like for me it starts to feel hot so i think that communication is great i think that the fact that you ask your partner to stop is great um i think the feeling of wanting to pee can definitely be the sign of you about to squirt um because you can squirt without or orgasming or you can do the two simultaneously but one can happen without the other you can orgasm without squirting as well um the way that i usually know that i orgasm to go back up to the top of your um message where you said that you weren't 100 sure if you orgasmed so when i orgasm with a toy my vagina and my clit contract and retract and contract and retract um and like pulse basically and that's how i know that i've had like a um a clitoral orgasm in a way although it looks like my vagina is is contracting and retracting was crazy is that when i had a penetrative orgasm which is which is interesting because i also didn't know if i had had an orgasm um from this penetration because it was my first time feeling something like that but it just felt blissful and it almost like a dump like a um like like a creamy dump i don't know how to describe it but 
yeah it literally felt like just like a liquid releasing and then my vagina i think from what i can remember was somewhat contracting and retracting it just felt like it got so tight and like the nerves were just like I want to say like tingling in a way, but also numb kind of. So yeah. So in regards to how, how it feels when you orgasm, that's how it feels for me. And in regards to your, to your clit, I think that's normal. I think it is normal for you, for your body to get overstimulated. Um, and I think that communication is key and just asking your partner maybe to focus on something else. Um, there was this chart that this sex toy company had posted one time and it was like, you're supposed to suck somewhere, lick one, some place and kiss another place. And I think it was like suck. Oh, I don't want to tell you the wrong thing, but I think that a combination of sucking, licking, and kissing on everything can be very helpful. So yeah, if something gets too repetitive for me, like orally, I don't quite enjoy it as much. So like, I don't think that it's weird that you start feeling like it's too intense for you to enjoy it. But I do think that relaxing and letting go can help in any situation. Um, but listen to your body. So if it starts feeling intense to the point of pain, then express yourself. If you feel like you need to do some breath work to be able to let the let the orgasm ride out, because I've definitely done that before too, even with sex toys. I feel like I'm about to pee, so I stop. Um, and I might even stop before the orgasm or I'll stop like mid orgasm, if that makes sense. Like if I orgasm and keep the toy on and I feel like I have to pee, if I keep using the toy, I will probably squirt. Um, so it usually does feel like you have to pee because squirting, um, and this is talked about in my other, in my YouTube video as well about squirting and in my last podcast episode about squirting, but squirting comes through your urethra. Um, and pee urine comes through your urethra as well and squirting filters through your bladder so girl you might be a squirter and you don't even know it <laughs> or maybe you do but yeah that's my advice would definitely be practice relaxation practice breath work um stay connected with your partner and if it gets too intense express yourself ask your partner maybe to move you can also do that in a sexy way like my my therapist had also taught me about requesting things in a sexy way like oh yeah baby move to the left or like oh i love it when you when you lick right there or i love it when you lick my so-and-so like you can do positive encouragement instead of being like stop it you know <laughs> Because that might take y'all both out the mood. But if you're into your partner, you feel like you're in a safe place with your partner, your partner is receptive to being able to hear um, critiques in a way, then I definitely recommend guiding your partner through the experience in that way, as opposed to um, just taking it because you don't want your partner to feel like they're doing a bad job because you feel like you might be broken or wrong or something's abnormal. Like, no, what you're experiencing is definitely normal. I've experienced it. I know a lot of people have experienced it. And the fact that you're even able to feel pleasure during um, oral is a beautiful thing because there was a while where I wasn't able to feel pleasure. I think that my most pleasurable experience was when I was... um, was when I was drunk, ironically. And normally when I'm drunk, I'm very desensitized down there, but I was very horny and very into the person that gave me the orgasm or the, uh, not the orgasm, but that gave me this pleasure because I don't think I orgasmed from it. But that was, that was talked about in my Mexico experience, um, in my, my Mexico trip. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting oral now sober and being able to really be out of my head and in my body because I think it can be a really pleasurable and magical experience and it sounds like your partner really wants you to feel pleasure. So I think it's all about communication, keeping that up and yeah, and relaxing definitely helps with anything that you do. Um, and again, remember there are different kinds of orgasms. So if you play with yourself, you'll be able to experience some of those orgasms on your own. I was able to experience a penetrative orgasm with my WeVibe Nova 2 because that went inside me and I was able to glide that in on my own without feeling any anxiety. Um, and per usual, you know that y'all can y'all can use my code. It's in my bio. Um, I have a whole bunch of codes in my bio. But yeah, to get some some money off, um, I got the WeVibe Nova 2 from Shopsador. 
um you use the code lovatia for 15 percent off but that was a good way for me to explore penetrative orgasms and then any clitoral stimulator can help you um practice what that feels like but using your hand does this does a trick to me um so yeah i hope that that's very helpful i i really I, i'm so thankful that you were so patient with me um and thank you for all of your support thank you for everybody for your support and if anybody wants some advice, just so I can keep it like organized, if you can send your um, question to the Lovatia experience at gmail.com, that'd be perfect. Cause I think I want to do a segment like this every podcast episode. So hopefully we can all learn some stuff. So yeah. Yay. We made it through this episode. I'm so excited. Y'all got some tea about my life. Y'all got some tea about friendships. Y'all got some tea about my dating experiences. And then we got to end with some advice. I really like this. This is really great. So yay. Um, Father's Day, I think is. The day that I'm going to post this. Let me see. Wait. Yeah. Father's Day is going to be the day that I post this. So give yourself some extra love today. Be gentle with yourself. Do some writing, some meditating. I know that Father's Day can be triggering for some people. So please be gentle with yourself. Find a way to find a father figure. If you can speak to your uncle, a, a older cousin, um, a brother, um, or, or speak to your, your ancestors, your grandfathers, your uncles that are in heaven, your your ancestral dad i mean you know everybody has like their ancestral mom you also have your ancestral dad your ancestral grandma your ancestral grandpa so so you know you have that male energy that you can call into at any point and so just know that you are safe you are beautiful and i hope that everybody enjoys their father's day because you are zaddy in somebody's life give yourself a hug for me Mm-hmm. don't forget to be kind to yourself be kind to animals and if you love jewelry that is asymmetrical you can head to imanijewelry.com they have lock charms they have asymmetrical non-matching earrings that can go all the way down to your titties they're called tata ticklers they have bracelets they have um bracelet cuffs um, a whole bunch of neck pieces, anklets, everything that you want when it comes to handmade jewelry they have. And I live by it. I don't wear any jewelry besides Imani jewelry. So yes, I 1000% vouch for it. And you can use the code Levitia to get 10% off of your purchase. And then also, if you want some more pleasure tips and pleasure positive tips, you can head to levitia.com slash sign up and sign up for free. And you will get some, um, some advice monthly, one email a month. I do not spam you. I promise. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I hope that you have an amazing, amazing Sunday and rest of your week. Thanks for your support. This is a very random insert and reflection, but I was also thinking about like what I said somewhere in this podcast. Um, I don't feel like finding it. So this is literally going to be like randomly at the end, (laughs) even after I said goodbye. (laughs) But, um, but I was thinking about phone calls and my friends and I talk all the time about phone calls. Y'all already know I hate phone calls anyway, but I was thinking about when I had said that I went to the car to talk to my mom because um, I didn't feel comfortable talking about my boyfriend. And it's so interesting because even in my future relationships, I don't see myself as the type of girlfriend who is going to want to have conversations around her boyfriend. But I'd like to decipher that between like when I wasn't speaking to in front of my boyfriend because I didn't feel like I could just be authentically myself and authentically transparent versus me in a healthy relationship, just not wanting my man to be in my business. Like I still feel as though I would want to be able to just speak candidly to my friends. And and for real, like if I have a partner, I'm not going to want to spill tea around my partner to my friends because I just want to, I guess, create that separation and create that boundary. Um, But it's just interesting to decipher between like, like when I had to go and hide and have my phone calls versus being in a relationship where I'm just actively choosing to just have my own privacy. Like, I think that that's okay. But yeah, it's just interesting for me to decipher 
between the two. And it's a lot of things that I did in my relationship that I think that I would probably do in a healthy relationship, which is with different intentions. And that's one of the things like creating boundaries and informational boundaries. And again, like people tell me confidential stuff. So maybe I don't want my man to to hear the confidential stuff I'm talking about, but I want to make sure that like, that I'm just conscious in my next relationship. And even like arguments, like we argued the first week we were together, like me and my ex, that, that's like not setting a foundation for a healthy relationship. So yeah, I just want to be cognizant, but I, I felt like I had touched on, you know, what I want my future relationship to be. And this was just a reflection that I had and I wanted to add. And like I said, I was going to insert it somewhere in the podcast, but now I, um, I don't know where that is and I'm about to be heading out of town. So <laughs> here we are, me just putting this at the end and I hope you listen to it. But yeah, there are just certain things that I feel like were unhealthy in my relationship because my relationship was just unhealthy versus setting healthy boundaries like not wanting to talk on the phone around my man because I just want to have my own privacy it's not like I want to have secrets or anything like that it's just literally I just want to feel like I have my own space and then I was even thinking like oh is that would that be because I don't feel like I can be myself around my future partner but no that's not the case like I feel like I, I, I in my <laughs> manifestation of my relationship with my future partner um I know I'd be able to be my be myself around my future partner, but it just feels like a, a violation of privacy. Like if somebody's telling me something and then like I'm around my man and they're like, yeah, like I'm pregnant and I don't want anybody to know. And then my man's sitting there like, oh, word, <laughs> you know? So I get it. I get it a thousand percent. But it's just so interesting, like I said, to reiterate, to decipher what was deemed unhealthy in one unhealthy relationship versus what can actually be something healthy in a healthier relationship. So, and like I said, me and my friends talk about this all the time. Like sometimes we'll go without talking to each other for a while because we just want to have like our, our privacy um, in our conversation. And I think that that's okay. Like I, I definitely do. So yeah, I'm grateful to be able to have these reflections and I'm grateful to see friends who are also in different kinds of relationships. I think that that's very insightful as well. Um, but until then, y'all, I think I'm going to be relationshipless until I'm probably like 35 at this point. Um, and I think it's going to be a choice. Let's talk about that in the next in the next um, conversation, too. I also want to redefine what relationships look like for me, because right now I think that my vision of relationships, I'm like, is are certain relationships set up to be the way they are? Like, I feel like there are certain commonalities between a lot of relationships that I see and that I experienced in my lifetime that and this is heterosexual or same sex where I'm like, are these just like the blueprint to a relationship? Is this some like societal shit or is this, what is that? Like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like there are certain things that shift when you're in a relationship and it's a natural thing that shifts. But I think that those, some of those shifts are things that make me scared about entering a new relationship. So I'm excited to talk about that, but yeah, I'm just grateful for all of the learning and, um, all the healthy, beautiful friendships and relationships I have. And even for the toxic, unhealthy ones that I've been able to learn from, (laughs) I'm grateful for those two because never the fuck again. (laughs) I love y'all so freaking much. Give yourself a hug for me again. And yeah, talk to you on next week's episode. Mwah.